Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. Today I want to look at one of my favorite psalms. has been ever since I started praying psalms back to God. Whenever I want to go to a psalm that I know is going to take my heart to a place of worship, take my heart to a place where I'm experiencing the presence of God, remembering my relationship with God and who God is in my life, Psalm 103 has always been at the top of a short list. It's a psalm of David. And it's a psalm where it just shows us that principle that to seek God, to seek the I am, and to worship him, it's not an instinct. It's not something that we're going to naturally want to do. Most of the time when I worship, I have to choose to worship. It's not something I naturally want to do. My heart is hardened, and I don't naturally want to soften it and come to God and worship. And so I to, to lift my eyes to God, to incline my heart to Him. Sometimes I just have to speak to myself and tell myself to worship God. I think that's going to be true for everyone. It was true for David in this psalm. To praise God, there's an us that must guide us. There's an inner us, a real us, an eternal us that must guide our brain, our body, our mouth, our heart, into worship. And so the very first line of this psalm, verse 1, says, Bless Yahweh, bless the I am, bless the Lord, O my soul. That Hebrew word for soul is that word nephesh. We've talked about it before, but that doesn't mean like our spirit. It means the real us, the eternal us, the whole of us. It's not just some spiritual part of us. It's all of us. So what the very first line of this psalm is saying is, Praise the Lord. Bless is a synonym for praise in the Old Testament. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. In other words, we have to speak to ourselves that that's part of worship. Part of worship, in fact, probably the first part of worship for me most of the time is that I have to speak to myself and tell myself what I need to do right now is worship God. I need to bless the Lord. I need to speak praise to the I am and incline my heart to him, incline my mind to him. So the psalm says in verse one, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. So that's, again, another a way of parallel to what that word soul means. It's all that is within me. It's all of me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. We've talked about the name of God for many episodes. I'm not going to go into it too much, but we want to remember it. We, we go to these Psalms and we see the name Yahweh when Lord is in all caps Bless Yahweh, bless the I am, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Again, verse 2 says the same thing. Bless Yahweh, bless the I am, O my soul. The last verse says the exact same thing. So the first verse, the second verse, and the last verse repeat, 
Bless the Lord, O my soul. And it shows us that a lot of times we have to speak to ourselves, that that's just part of life. It, it's, it's, we go through life sort of listening to ourselves, and usually listening to ourselves doesn't always lead us into the best places. There's a real sense in which to grow as a Christian— to grow as a person, we have to learn to speak to ourselves. We have to learn to have this inner soul, this not not the spiritual part, but this real part of us, this eternal part of us, this part that is going to be true of us in the kingdom of God forever, that real part, inner part. We have to have that part lead us and guide our brain and wire our thoughts. And so to, to speak to myself is a very necessary part of what it means to mature spiritually. And so verse two, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, I've always hated that word benefits in the sense of, I don't think that's a great translation. It sounds like, you know, I've God has given me insurance and, and retirement benefits. I mean, that word benefits in English doesn't capture what I think this Hebrew word is saying. I think a better translation would be rewards. Forget not all his rewards. That's another way you can translate this word. Another way is forget not all his acts that he has done on our behalf, his rewards, his his blessings would be another way to say it. So we bless the Lord and we forget not his blessings, his benefits in the sense of reward upon us and his acts toward us, his promises toward us, what he's done for us. So now this psalm goes into, here's what God, Yahweh, the I am, has done for you, who forgives all your iniquity, all your iniquity, not most, not the ones that he wants to, but because if you're in Christ and Christ has taken all your sin upon the cross, and we must always keep the entire Bible's message as the context of any of these psalms. We know Christ has come. He has died on the cross. He has taken our sin upon himself. He's defeated death forever. He's broken through the other side of death and risen from the dead. So all of these are true in Christ, those who are in Christ, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Now, you know, this psalm is not saying he's going to see it, to heal every sickness that you have because the David himself died of something. We're all going to die of something. And so it's not claiming a promise that he's going to heal your sicknesses. Diseases here is a a way of seeing the judgment upon the human condition for sin. And so it's this broken down creation. It's this reversal of Genesis 1 and 2. Diseases is a devolution in our very bodies, in our very self, in our very soul, in the sense of the real us that has been the the result of sin in, in our lives. And so what this is saying is he heals us. He heals our brokenness. He heals all of what sin has done to us. He will heal and restore. He will bring re- resurrection. He will bring restoration. So he heals. He brings restoration to everything that is broken in you. So who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. And that's a great way to think about what Christ has done when he has taken our sin upon himself and broken through the other side of death, that we were under this 
judgment of death and this judgment of being cut off from God forever, this picture of the pit, this picture of being thrown in a dark pit where we are cut off from the rest of life. God has redeemed us from the pit through Christ on the cross. And then it goes on, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, crowns us, gives us the dignity of royalty. We will reign with him forever. We were created in his image to to reign upon the earth, to exercise dominion upon the earth, to reflect his glory and live in his love and care for his creation. And he's going to restore that to us. It's as good as done. He redeems our life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, that you are a royalty of his steadfast love and mercy forever. We will reign with Christ. This is the promise of the New Testament. This is what David is alluding to here a thousand years before Jesus was born. This is all part of the larger story of the Bible. This is the gospel who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Verse 5, who satisfies you with good. This is the gospel. This is what I mean when I want to come to a place that's going to remind me of the gospel, who's going to, it's going to remind me and bring me into a place of worship, soften my heart toward God, Incline my mind and heart toward God. This is a place. This is the gospel. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his rewards, what all he has done for me, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good. That's the gospel. This is true for all of those who are in Christ. Regardless of what you feel like, regardless of what you feel about how your life is going and how you feel about maybe the ways that sin has been defeating you and that you have not been walking with God, this is a chance to repent. This is a chance to come back. This is a chance to lift your eyes, to speak to your own soul, to speak to yourself and say, you know what? It changes now. It changes here. I lift my eyes to Yahweh. Oh, my soul, I bless the Lord. I'm going to bless his holy name. I'm going to bless the I am, the one who is the source of all existence. He's the giver of all life, and he is with me right now 100%. And his name is holy, full of splendor and majesty and glory. He is weightier than anything else in my life. He is more important and weightier than anything else I could possibly pursue, anything else I could think about, anything else I could bless with my mouth. God is more and God is greater. And so I bless Yahweh right now, oh my soul. I bless Yahweh, oh my soul. And I'm going to remember all of his rewards. This is the gospel. All he is for me in Christ. He forgives all my iniquity. He heals all my brokenness. He redeems my life from the pit forever. He crowns me with steadfast love and mercy and dignity and royalty and grace. And he is the one that satisfies me with good. Remember verse 2 of Psalm 16 I have no good apart from you. God is the only source of good. 
And so verse seven, he made known his ways to Moses. Now it's going to go back to the the verses we looked at a few episodes ago where Moses speaks to God in Exodus three and God reveals that I am the I am, call them, tell them that I am sent you. This is my name. He is for every generation to come. He says, verse seven, he made known his ways to Moses. And it's going to take us back to Exodus 33 and 34. Moses said, show me your glory. God says, I can't, it would kill you, but I'll do the next best thing. I'll proclaim my name. And so verse eight, Yahweh, the I am is, and it quotes that verse of what God said, Yahweh is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. See, here's the thing. That is the most quoted verse in the rest of the Bible for a reason. Because when you think about it, the I am, the one who is the creator of this entire universe, the one who defines his very name as being itself, existence itself. He is the source of all existence, and he is the one that speaks everything and spoke everything into existence. All life comes from him. When you think about God that way, the really, really good news is that the very essence of who God is, is that he is merciful and he is gracious and he is slow to anger and he is abounding in steadfast love. It didn't have to be that way. It could have been a lot different, but the very essence, the first and foremost character of God is that he is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and steadfast love, abounding in steadfast love. This is something we have to cling to when we bless the Lord, oh my soul, when we bless the I am and bless his holy name. We go back to that very verse when God proclaimed his name to Moses and we remember that he is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good. Verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. This is really, really good news. And we have to cling to this. We have to look at that verse in God's word written by his Holy Spirit, and we just cling to it. He is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Now listen to verse 11 and 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Now think about that. It's saying that as high as the heavens are above the earth, when you think about the vastness of all this universe that God has created, the vastness of the galaxies, the billions, the hundreds of billions of galaxies that are unbelievably, ridiculously, incomprehensibly vast in their size. This is saying that the universe is a measure in our mind of God's steadfast love 
and how far he has removed our transgressions from us. If you want a picture of God's, the vastness, the largesse, the greatness of God's steadfast love for you, look at the size of the universe. The God that created this universe, that's a measure of the infinite steadfast love he has for you. Well, it says for those who fear him. And I think that we have to remember that verse when Moses said, show me your glory. And God said, I can't, it would kill you to fear. God is to take him seriously. It's to, it's to recognize Yahweh's nature that he is what it says here. He is holy. Holy is his name. Verse one, bless his holy name that we would recognize God's holiness. We would recognize that God is glorious, holy. And we, we, we want God's relationship with us, love for us, forgiveness toward us. We want that to be unconditional. But remember when God revealed his name to Moses and he said all these things, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, merciful for, and gracious, forgiving of sin, rebellion, and iniquity, but he does not leave the guilty unpunished, that that's part of his goodness, is that God also brings justice and removes evil from this earth. He will. That's part of this gospel. That's part of this bigger story. And so we want to remember that it's not unconditional. That is not the gospel. That is not the Bible. That's not anywhere in the Bible. That's something that we add to it and distort it, but that's not a biblical message. God is not unconditional toward everyone. Only those who want to worship him, who fear him, who recognize his holy nature, recognize his righteousness, and those who repent and come to him in Christ and see the need for forgiveness, see the need to have their iniquity forgiven and to have their diseases healed and see the need to have their life redeemed from the pit and the need for God's mercy and grace. These are the ones who are part of this promise. Those who fear him is repeated three times here. We don't want to ignore that. To fear him doesn't mean that we're sinless because remember, he forgives our iniquities, verse 3, verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. So the whole blessing of this psalm is to bring our iniquities to him, to bring our sins to him. So it's, it's not that we're sinless. It's that we have this fear in the sense that we recognize his holy nature and we take that seriously. We take him seriously and we don't take forgiveness lightly. Verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so Yahweh, so the Lord, the I am, shows compassion to those who fear him. There it is again. Jesus invites us to see the I am as our heavenly father. That doesn't mean that we take him lightly. We, we fear him. We recognize him. We have a reverence and an awe for him. We live in light of his holy name. We live in light of his eternal glory. We live in light that he is the creator of this entire universe. He's not a pet that we pet on the top of his head. He is the God that created this universe. He is existence itself. He is the I am. He's the giver of all life. And yet Jesus invites us to call him father. And so does David right here in Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so Yahweh, the I am, 
shows compassion on those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. You see how this psalm puts you back into the right story? It re-narrates your life. And it does so even more in verse 15. It says, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. This, think about the most important person you could ever be accepted by and included with, and that would be such a great honor in some sense to be seen as important by this important person. That person still is like grass and flourishes, but like the flower of the field, the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. The most important person you can think of in this entire world is still somebody in all their glory that's going to fade and be gone and be no more and is like grass and is nothing compared to the I am that created this universe. So whatever it is that motivates you to leave the promises of the I am, to pursue the acceptance and approval of anyone else is utter stupidity. Verse 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. There it is a third time. Do you take God seriously? Do you fear him? It's not to diminish in any way his steadfast love and mercy. To fear him is actually to see him in light of his steadfast love and his mercy and his holiness and his glory and the one who created this universe. And so we take him seriously. We recognize his true nature. And part of his true nature is from everlasting to everlasting. That's an amazing phrase. Yahweh is from everlasting and to everlasting. He is forever in the past. He is forever in the future. He is the one who is and was and is to come. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the internal one. He's the one who inhabits eternity, and he is from everlasting to everlasting. And so the steadfast love of the I am is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, on those who see him as the eternal one, the one who inhabits eternity, the one who is the creator of everything, the one who is the giver of life. Verse 18, to those who keep his covenant. Now we we don't keep his covenant in the sense that we have to obey all these rules. That's not the covenant. The covenant that we keep is the covenant that Christ is the covenant. Christ is the one who gives us his righteousness. Christ is the the one who has taken our sin on the cross. Christ is the one who gives us new life by his resurrection. And so we follow Christ as our king. That's what the word Christ means is king. Our keeping the covenant is keeping Christ as our king. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. This is part of what it means to fear him, to see him as establishing his eternal from everlasting to everlasting throne, that God from everlasting to everlasting reigns. He is king. He is Lord. He is God from everlasting to everlasting. He has established his throne in the universe, in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. There's nowhere he doesn't rule. There's no time he will not be God. There's no time he will not rule. The last verse, bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul.
And so we say, oh God, the I am, you are the I am, you are, he is, you are the source of all existence. You spoke and being came into being, the universe came into being. You give life and there is no life apart from you. Every moment of my heartbeat, every breath that I take, every molecule of life in me comes from you, always comes from you always depends upon you. You are the sustainer of my life. And so I bless you, Lord. Oh, my soul, bless the Lord and forget not his blessings to me. Forget not his rewards for me in Christ. I give praise to you, God. I praise your holy name, all that is within me. I focus now everything in me to praise your holy name, all that is within me to worship you in your holiness, to worship you in your splendor, to worship you in your glory, to worship you, the power of the God that created and sustains this universe. And you are present everywhere infinitely. You are present on that moon, around that planet, around that sun, in a galaxy 13 billion light years away from here, just as much as you are 100% present with me right now. And I praise all that is within me. I praise your holy name. And I remember the gospel. I remember all that you are for me in Christ. You forgive all my iniquity. You heal all my brokenness. You will heal all my brokenness by your death and your resurrection. I will rise with a body without sin, without disease, without death, without sorrow, without pain, without corruption. You redeem my life from the pit. Without you, I go to the pit because I have rejected the author of life and I have turned away from you, but you forgive all my iniquity and you redeem my life from the pit. You have taken death upon yourself and broken through the other side of the pit so that I am redeemed from the pit and you crown me with steadfast love. Your steadfast love is a crown on my head, restoring me to reign with you in your image, just as you created humanity to be in the dignity and to share your glory and to share your love and to continue your care and work over creation. You crown me with your steadfast love and you crown me with your mercy and you satisfy me with what is truly good. There is no good apart from you. You are merciful and you are gracious and you are slow to anger and you are abounding in steadfast love. And I give thanks to you that this is true. It could be different, and the worst parts of my nature think it is different and doesn't believe these promises. But here I trust your word, and I trust your word that is proven in the fact that you became human in the person of Jesus, and you suffered, and you did miracles to show me what it means that you heal me of all my diseases, what it means that you forgive all my iniquity, what it means that you redeem my life from the pit, what it means that you satisfy me with good. And you died on the cross to take my sin upon you. That is proof that you are merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding, abounding, abundant, infinite, and steadfast love. 
You do not deal with me according to my sins. Thank God. I thank you that you do not deal with me according to my sins. You do not repay me according to my iniquities. Thank God that you do not repay me according to my iniquities. For as high as the universe is above the earth, as vast as the galaxies are and the galaxies in all the universe, so great too is your steadfast love toward me. And I fear you as the creator of this universe universe. I take you seriously as the I am. I take you seriously as the God who is incredibly powerful to just speak this universe into existence. I don't take you lightly. I recognize your true nature and that if I saw you now in my sinful state, I would be incinerated, but you protect me from you so that you can make a new me to stand before you in your glory and not be incinerated, but to reflect your glory where I will shine like the sun in the kingdom kingdom of my heavenly father, Jesus says, as far and vast as the universe is, so far have you removed my transgressions from me. I give thanks to you that as vast as the universe is, that's a picture of your forgiveness for me, your forgiveness of all my iniquity and how far you have removed my transgressions from me. I worship you, God. I give thanks to you. I remember and I bless your name. You are my father who has compassion on me as your child and you show compassion on me because you know my frame and you remember that I am but dust in this world of dust and death and thorns and thistles and you have redeemed me from this world and you have crowned me with your steadfast love and mercy. The greatest of human glory is like grass and flowers that are here one day, but the wind comes and they're gone and they're no more. I don't want to be fooled by the glory of humanity and somehow thinking that I have to please people and be approved and have their approval. And so I compromise my faithfulness to you. I compromise my witness of you and instead want somebody else's approval. It's like wanting the approval of grass compared to the creator of this universe. It's so stupid. But the steadfast love of the I am is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And I want to fear you, stand in awe of you, worship you, see you as you really are. You have established your throne in the heavens and your kingdom rules over all forever and all your works give glory to you. They will. All your works will praise you. They will. In all places, in all this universe is all your dominion. And so I bless the Lord. I praise Yahweh. Oh, my soul. I praise your holy name, God. I'm going to direct my soul and direct everything within me right now to praise your holy name and to lift my eyes and to worship you and to praise you and to give thanks to you for all that you have done for me in Christ. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.